Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. I'm reading from the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. had a sermon that I planned on preaching for over a year. Had a physical object to accompany it that I ordered from Greece. Took months to come, finally came. Study was a result of buying dozens of books, spending hundreds of dollars searching the internet for this one elusive book written a hundred years ago. And crushing disappointment once I read it. <laughs> and then it turned around and I waited and waited and waited to preach it. And Friday during our Good Friday service, um, I felt the Lord quicken my heart to talk to you about something else. So Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's the cost of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One more passage, another passage of scripture, I should say. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Question mark. It's a rhetorical question. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You are not your own. Verse 20. You know, chapter and verse weren't in the original. They added those in. So the thought is one continuous one. It's not little tweet-sized bites. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. One last portion of scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. I'm going to read to save time. For you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain way of living, which you have received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you. When I talk to you this morning on the subject, the cost, the cross, and the empty tomb. 
Will you lift your voices with me one more time? Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day. Lord, we worship you. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts today in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are so many wonderful things to talk about on Easter. It all centers around an empty tomb. But it started a lot long before that on a dark night in Egypt celebrating the first Passover. There are so many wonderful things that we can point about, point out and discuss on this most holy of days, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. But I want to talk to you today not just about that first Easter morning, but about this weekend and what it all meant. I am bought with a price. You were bought with a price. This is a vital concept. I do not belong to myself. You do not belong to yourself. Can you get any more countercultural than that statement? Where people constantly cry out, it's my body, my choice, my desires, my truth. But yet God tells us we don't belong to ourselves. There was a price tag that was put upon my soul. There was a price tag that was put upon your soul. A price that I could never, ever hope to pay. And yet on an old rugged cross 2,000 years ago, God paid that price for me and for you. This time of year we remember that price and that terrible yet wonderful Friday so long ago. It was terrible. Because God, who robed himself in flesh, he, he, he wasn't half God, he wasn't a demigod, he wasn't some junior God, but the God of the universe put on a man, lived as us, exampled himself before us, and then was tortured to death on a Friday 2,000 years ago. wonderful and yet terrible day and we celebrate today that unsurpassed victory that took place three days later the cost is remarkable the price tag is remarkable have you ever eaten at a restaurant where they didn't have prices on the menu I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I want to know. <laughs> you ever been somewhere where there was no, wasn't a price tag on an item and they told you if you have to ask, you can't afford it? I couldn't afford it. I couldn't. I told my wife we were in one store in Paris. I said, I can't afford the shopping bag in this place. 
the price tag on your soul. There are not enough zeros in the world to quantify it. But it's amazing that as a society, we put value upon such random things. And then base all of our economic stability and in reality all of civilization upon things that are just simply found in the ground. If you think about it too hard, you'll go crazy. We dig it out of the ground and then all of our world teeters precariously upon its perceived value. We call them precious metals. Because of their rarity and their difficulty to obtain, we base everything on them, and the chiefest of them all is gold. Gold is what makes the world go round. They say it's oil, but in reality, what are you paying for the oil with? It's that precious metal that man so eagerly longs after. The money in your wallet is just a piece of paper. Well, in the U.S., it's actually a textile. It's a fabric. But it's just a fancy piece of paper that has no distinguishable value whatsoever except that it represents a tiny little portion of gold sitting in a vault somewhere under an armed guard. That little green piece of paper is a promise that the United States of America has a bar of gold somewhere and just a sliver of that is represented in the piece of paper in your wallet. And yet for all of the importance placed upon gold, it isn't even really that rare. There are approximately, you can't get right up to date numbers, they're always a year or two back. In February of 2020, the most accurate numbers I could find, there were 685 million 444 million pounds of gold in our world. That's what's been mined and refined. Think about that. 685 million pounds of gold. Your ring on your finger, the little bit on your watch, it's, it's just out and Maybe an ounce. It's thin. Just coating over a less precious metal. That's equal to 17,240,287,488,000 dollars worth of gold in our world. And yet every single year there are 2,500 more tons not pounds, tons of gold mined every single year. And so this precious and rare metal that makes our world go around, when you look at it, it isn't that rare at all. It's 
So if you want to talk about rare, maybe you have to look further into things like platinum. Yet they estimate that there are currently 12 and a half million pounds of platinum. With another 133 tons, tons, found every single year. And at $14,400 an ounce, that is $180 billion mined out of the ground every year. So if you think that metals are rare and precious, you're sorely mistaken. They're not that rare at all. So maybe you got to look a little further and talk about gems. While rubies are the rarest and most expensive, they're very hard to quantify because so little of our society uses them. But diamonds are the ones that are most sought after. After all, every kiss begins with K. A man scrapes and saves to hand a little rock to his love interest and thinking somehow that that shiny little rock will entice her to spend the rest of her life with you. It's a little insane when you think about it. It's a little clear rock. And yet there are roughly 218,751 pounds of publicly held gem quality diamonds, or in other words, 99 tons of gem quality diamonds. And that does not count the overwhelming surplus of tons upon tons of diamonds that are held in warehouses to keep the prices artificially high. Read about it. Warehouses filled with them just to keep the price high. So you'll just keep dishing out your hard-earned money for them. So you see, precious metals and gems, they're not really that rare. But if you're going to find something else to put a value upon, the most valuable thing you can think of is human life. What's more precious and yet blood is the only thing that keeps every person in this world alive. There is no such thing as artificial blood. That's why you constantly hear pleas and sometimes downright begging from the Red Cross and other organizations to come donate blood. Because when there's an accident, when there's a surgery, there's no other way to keep a person alive. Oh, you can pump saline into them for a few minutes and maybe a few hours, but it's not going to last real long. Blood is the only thing keeping you and I alive. Blood is precious. Each person only has between 1.2 and 1.5 gallons in their body. Just a little over a gallon of that precious liquid is all that's keeping you and I alive. Yet with a population of 7.4 billion, people, there are approximately 8.8 billion gallons of human blood on planet earth. So blood 
as precious as it is, is not rare, nor even the shedding of it. In World War I alone, 44.4 million gallons of blood were spilled. In World War II, 60 million gallons of blood were given. In Vietnam, there, the Vietnam War, there was 1,623,600 gallons of blood that was spilled. The shedding of blood is uncommon. Romans 5, 7 says this though, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us and yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul was explaining it takes a special person to lay down their life for someone else. Freedom is not cheap. It's expensive. The blood of American heroes is what paid for your freedom in the political sense. It's why you and I can gather in this room this morning. The total cost of your freedom was 1,516,800 gallons of heroes' blood. One and a half million gallons of blood from sons and daughters, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers. From shed from Bunker Hill to Normandy to the jungles of Vietnam to the deserts of Iraq and Afghanistan. One and a half million gallons of blood spilled so that we could have freedom today. Yet your political, though your political freedom was far from cheap, it was very costly. You can see the cost, but it wasn't rare, at least not extremely rare. The cost of your spiritual freedom that we celebrate today is so much higher. The blood of the promise was distinct. There was only one who could pay for the price. It had to be a son of Abraham, a Hebrew. But even with that narrowing factor during the Holocaust alone, 7.2 million gallons of Jewish blood was spilled. But the cost of your soul was so much higher still. In all of time, there has never been anything as rare. There's never been anything as costly as those 12 small pints of blood that flowed through Jesus' body. Just one and a half gallons, and yet it was enough to pay for the souls of every man, woman, and child that has ever lived and ever will live. At roughly 111 billion people that have ever lived in this world, every drop of blood paid for more than 740,585 souls. Think about that. Every drop of blood paid for the freedom of 740,000 souls and yet every single day another child is born and the price tag goes higher and higher and higher. All the gold in all the world cannot wash away a single sin. No amount of diamonds, platinum, rubies or sapphires 
Not all the blood of every war, every fight, no matter how costly it was, cannot wash away a single sin. But here we are today celebrating what can save, what can cleanse, and what can buy an immortal soul. And it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but that precious blood of Jesus. The price tag was so extremely high. God had to become a man. God had to live as one of us. And God had to die a torturous death as one of us. He was beaten until the scripture said his vestige was more scarred, more marred than any man's. They ripped the beard from his face. They jammed a crown of thorns down into his brow. They beat him until he was swollen and bruised beyond recognition. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails. Forty stripes save one was the Roman tradition. A whipping so severe and so brutal, few could survive it. And yet our Lord was no frail feminine thing that they put in paintings. He was a tough carpenter. And even after all of that, he carried his cross until his body would go no further. And a man named Simon of Cyrene was asked to carry it the rest of the way. They nailed him to that cross. Nine inch long spikes, one through each hand and one through both feet. And he hung there for six long hours on a Friday so long ago. He hung there for six hours. He accepted the cost. He paid the price. He saw the price tag. He accepted it. But the best part is what he did with us afterward. He bought us with his blood so that he could set us free. John 8, 38, 36 says this, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. When Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. The price has been paid. He sets you free to the uttermost. As wonderful as Friday was when Jesus paid the price, that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago shone even brighter because Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. And because he lives, you and I can have new life also. He set us free. He set us free. 
He bought us to free us from sin. Romans 6, Paul explains it so beautifully. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. He was buried in the physical. And you and I, we don't have to die. And we don't have to be put in a grave. But we get a wonderful and beautiful opportunity that we can die to our old life. Die to that old man. Die to that old woman. It's called repentance. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to be that way anymore. I want to live like you want me to live. The old man dies. And the old man is buried in the waters of baptism. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, Jesus wasn't the same when he came out of the grave. People had a hard time even recognizing him. He was different when he came out than when he went in. And when you go down in the waters of baptism, when you come up, you come up different than you went down. He sets you free. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. There is a beauty to this sixth chapter of Romans. It's not just talking about the resurrection that's going to happen when the last trumpet sounds. It's talking about what happens when you are repent of your sins, are baptized in Jesus' name, and are filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't stay dead, but God gives you a new life. Paul wraps it up with this beautiful statement in verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The cost of your sin was his blood, but we are freed to live a new life by his resurrection power. He paid the price with his blood, but he freed us. When he rose from that grave. When we repent. We die with him on the cross. When we are baptized. We are buried with him. And when we are filled with his spirit. We rise. New. And freed. Filled with his spirit. Transformed by his power. There's a beautiful statement that was given by the angels to those women who came looking for Jesus. They said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking in a graveyard for someone that's alive? 
You see, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. As wonderful as the cross was, as beautiful, as life-changing as the cross was, Jesus didn't stay there. And so as wonderful and life-changing as repentance is, we can't stay there. It doesn't mean make the cross of any less value that Jesus didn't stay there. It just meant there was more to the journey. And that means that repentance isn't somehow lesser. And it doesn't mean that you haven't had an experience with God. It just means he didn't stay there. And so you can't stay there. Jesus was buried. And when he was buried in that tomb, he carried our sins away from us. And so we are baptized in likeness of his burial. But Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. So as wonderful as the tomb was, as life-changing as it was, as wonderful as baptism is, and as life-changing as that moment is when you are baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus, you can't stay there. And the reason so many people are frustrated with their religious experience is that they're looking for the living among the dead. They understand the cross. They understand repentance. They understand baptism because they understand Jesus was buried. But there's something missing because you can't find the living amongst the dead. And if you're looking for hope, and if you're looking for peace, and you're looking for joy, you're not going to find it in the graveyard because Jesus is alive. And he wants to be alive in you. And when you are filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, you aren't in the graveyard any longer, but Jesus comes to live inside of you. How do you know if you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Well, read Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11. When the first Gentiles, that's a non-Jewish person, was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It said they were astonished, the Jews that were there. They didn't think that Gentiles like you and I could receive the Holy Ghost. It said, but they knew they had received the Holy Ghost in the same way they did, for they heard them speak with tongues. Everywhere in the New Testament that someone was filled with the Holy Ghost, they speak in a heavenly language that they did not learn. God takes over and speaks to them. Say, how can that be? That's crazy. Yeah, it is. How does it work? I have no idea. But it happens every single day. The fastest growing religion in the world is Pentecost. It's not Islam. The only religion growing faster than the human population rate is Pentecostalism. It happens so often that it's not even a full second between each person being filled with the Holy Ghost. Every zero, every 0 0.6 seconds, someone else receives the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. The Bible explains it to us this way, that the Spirit... That's the spirit of Jesus Christ. It's not something else. It's not a thing. It's not an it. It's Jesus. 
the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You don't have the words to say everything you feel. There's no way to express all the hurt, all the pain, all the hopes, all the dreams, all the questions. So Jesus speaks through you. James, the author of that little New Testament book, said the tongue is the most unruly of all things. Said everything can be tamed. Every animal on land, every animal in the sea, you can figure out a way to train it. But no man has ever learned how to tame his tongue. And my wife said, Amen. But that thing that's so unruly, so hard to control, when you yield yourself to God after you've repented, and you yield yourself to He takes it over. And your very innermost being is connected to the most high in the most intimate and purest way possible as God begins to speak through you. The reason so many are frustrated is they forget that Easter isn't about bunnies It's not about eggs. It's not about eating ham. I don't know how that got to be a tradition. It's not about bright clothes and bright flowers. It's about the fact that Jesus left the grave alive. The cost of your soul was the cross. But the result was an empty tomb. My friend, you are of such value. You are of such worth. If you would stop listening to the voices of doubt that say, I can't do it and I'm not good enough. And you would listen to the voice of Almighty God that says, I love you so much. I died for you and I'll make a way. I'll make a way. I'll make a way. If you're looking for life, you've got to go past the cross and past the tomb because Jesus is alive and he wants to be alive in you. Stand with me across this place and let's lift our hands and our voices to the Lord right now. Come on, will you talk to the Lord with me? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful that you are alive today. I'm thankful, Lord, that you still do miracles. I'm thankful, Lord, that you still transform hearts and souls. Lord, I'm thankful that you still make men and women new. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you.
the most holy day in all of Christendom. It's not Christmas, though it's so wonderful. And believe it or not, it's not even Pentecost Sunday. Because you can't get Pentecost without Easter. The holiest day in Christendom was the day that Jesus set us free. Set us free. We just have to receive it. He didn't only set us free from sin, but he set us free from fear because even in death, there's no sting. Because we arise in the physical. There's no Pentecost without Easter. Christmas loses its joy without Easter. It's all circles. I always thought it circled around the cross. But the cross without the grave, the empty grave, pays a price, but doesn't set free. The empty grave is what broke the chains of bondage for every man, every woman, and every child that will repent and give themselves to God and let Him fill them with His Spirit. Will you just lift your hands with me again right now? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. I think we ought to just worship the Lord together for a few moments. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We 